0: Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at a wellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today I want to talk about play. The importance of play, how to play, what play looks like as an adult, but before I go into that, I have a few other announcements. First of all, my recording setup is a little different today. I'm traveling, and so the position of my microphone is not where it usually is. Hopefully, I can get as much of the background noise or movement or the weird audio fluctuations out of the audio and editing. But if today's episode proves to be a little rougher than usual, please bear with me. Secondly, because of the time of year, I want to remind you that there are a couple of throwback episodes that you might want to check out, such as How to Practice Gratitude, which is episode 16, I believe, How to Take Care of Yourself During the Holidays, which is episode 37, and to look at the how to make your new year's resolutions depending on when you're listening to this and I believe that one is a few episodes after the how to take care of yourself during the holidays they're pretty close together so go back and listen to those if you haven't already or maybe you have listened to them but you need a refresher because the holidays can be a challenging time for a lot of us for very different reasons and so if you need that extra support please don't be shy please go and do whatever you need to in order to take good care of yourself so play What is it? Why does it matter? And also, why did I come up with this topic? (laughs) I'll tell you. What triggered my thoughts on play this week was because it's Thanksgiving and my wife gave me an early Thanksgiving gift, I guess we could call it. Really, it's a Christmas gift, but she gave it to me with Thanksgiving. And it was a PlayStation, like an old used PlayStation, because I had wanted to play more video games. I like the storytelling element of video games, and I thought it might be a good way to explore creativity in a different kind of storytelling format. And so I had had it on my wish list for a while to get an old PlayStation. And this is a good time of year to do it because people are getting rid of their old PlayStations so that they can get new ones. I think the ps5 or something is coming out now and so she found a playstation on facebook marketplace she got it for me she surprised me with it and you would think that my first thought would be oh my gosh yay i finally got this thing i wanted and i can play with it but what my first thought actually was was how dare you How dare you give me something so distracting at a time where I am so incredibly busy because I am very busy right now. I am working on a book deadline. My next book is due to my editor, Toby, on December 4th and it's not ready. I also want to keep putting out these episodes every week so there's that. There's all the usual holiday stuff that we do every year. Me and every other family who has the I'll say privilege to have loved ones and houses and stuff to fuss over, people to visit, that kind of thing. So there's a lot going on because of the holidays. I also work for and with a nonprofit, an environmental nonprofit called Community Conservation. They work on protecting wildlife and biodiversity around the world. And so this is a big time of year for them because they're trying to get a lot of donations before the end of year. And then there's also all the other things I'm trying to do with speaking and business and pitching. And so there's just a lot going on. And so between now and like December 4th or 5th, I'm really pressed for time. And so here she's given me this thing I want. And all I can think of is how terrible. (laughs) I don't have time to do this right now. And this definitely is not a real problem, right? There are many people out there who are struggling with far greater things than this. But what it did do is it reminded me of the resistance that I have to play. I naturally am someone who struggles with play. I take myself a little bit too seriously, and I don't really make time for doing the things that I enjoy. I find it to be very difficult to relax in those ways. I think I talk about this a bit in my episode on joy. I don't remember what number episode that was, but you can listen to that if you also feel that you're someone who struggles with connecting with your joy. But essentially, if you ever had to grow up fast, or maybe you were the oldest child and you had a lot of siblings at home that you were responsible for, or maybe just you had a parent who wasn't very good at parenting and so you filled the role of caregiver. There's really a lot of reasons or paths that might have led you to feel that play was not an option, that it wasn't really okay to play. There was too many other things in a day that needed to be done. You might have a lot of resistance to the idea of playing. It might feel very unnecessary and might feel very irrelevant or wasteful. There's a lot of negative self-talk that I personally struggle with around the idea of play. When I try to do anything that's silly or fun. I often find myself thinking things like, gosh, I should really be doing this instead or I should really be working on this instead. This is not a great use of my time. I shouldn't be doing this. So there's a lot of negative self-talk around it. Or I also have a tendency that if something comes up and it does feel important or necessary or it feels like play. So for example, I really like to write poetry, but poetry does not fit into a business plan. (laughs) there are poets out there, a few of them, who are selling their work really well and they can make a living out of it. But most of us are not selling tons of poetry and making a lot of money and so that we can able to take care of ourselves and just write poetry all day. And so I'll find myself saying, okay, you can write poetry if you can make it into a book and you can sell the book. I don't know if that's just an American compulsion or if it's just me, but I think this idea of taking hobbies or interests and turning them into jobs is very much a symptom of being uncomfortable with play. If there's something that you love doing, but you only give yourself permission to do it because you can monetize it, that tells me that you struggle with this idea of playing just for play's sake. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to find a happy medium or doing the things that you love, that you're passionate about, and then also finding a way to support yourself through those projects. I definitely do that with my writing, with my writing career. But there's also something to be said about playing just for play's sake, meaning that there is no objective there except to enjoy the act of play. This can get more difficult as adults because not only do we have a lot of responsibilities, a lot more responsibilities than we had as children, but we have lost that connection a lot of the times to the things that we enjoy. So we're not as clear anymore about what we thought was really great. Part of that is because we've said no to ourselves so often that that voice has gotten quieter and quieter. So for example, there might have been a part of you that was all about play All about enjoying yourself, all about being present in the moment. But every time that voice came up, you were like, No, I can't do that. I've got to work on this instead. Just imagine if there was a child and a parent, and the child was really excited and wanted to play with things. And so they kept coming to their caregiver and being like, Oh my gosh, look at this. Let's do this. Let's play. And every time that the child came to their caregiver, the caregiver said, No, I can't. Honey, I'm so busy. I've got so much work to do. I can't do that now. Go play by yourself. The first couple of times, maybe the kid. It would be okay with it because kids are pretty resilient. They overlook a lot of stuff. They take a lot of crap. (laughs) But after so many no's, you know, we don't know how many no's it would be. 10 no's, 20 no's, 100 no's. More than likely, most of us have given ourselves at least 100 no's, if not far more. We keep saying no and no and no and no until the child stops asking. And so the part of you that loves to play, that is inquisitive and adventurous and sees magic in the world, that part of you will have gotten quieter and quieter over time the more and more you said no to it. This idea that you can stifle your own curiosity, you can stifle your own joyfulness, your own happiness by saying no to yourself a lot. So I would encourage you first and foremost to take a look at the way you speak to yourself and ask yourself, do you say no to yourself? a lot? Are there things that you would love to do, but you don't do them because you feel like you can't, you have too many responsibilities, you don't have enough time? In what ways has your inner child, so to speak, asked you to play and you said no? If you can start to look at the ways that you do that presently, you can start to find ways to make more room for that in your life. So now I'm more aware of that issue. And it doesn't mean I don't have the feelings, again, because the first thing I thought when I got this lovely gift of a new playstation well not a new but new to me playstation was oh my god i do not have time to do this right now so it's not that the impulse or the urge goes away completely but i did recognize pretty quickly that okay this is an opportunity to play it's something that i wanted there was some inner part of me probably the inner cory the little cory who grew up playing mario brothers and duck hunt and all the games on the very old nintendo i don't know if you guys remember the like square one from far far back (laughs) This would be for you 80s and 90s kids from the dawn of time. If you're any younger than that, probably sounds ancient. But these old games, I played a lot of them when I got home from school because I did have two pretty absent parents and that was how I entertained myself as I would play these games. And so it was probably a bit of nostalgia as well that made me feel drawn to checking out video games again, to looking into playing more of them. I'd always played Sims. I find Sims to be very fun because there's a lot of storytelling built in for the Sims as well. You create characters which is not unlike creating characters for books or for novels, for stories. So you create people and then they start living out their lives. And so you can create these interactions. They can make new friends or fall in love or build businesses. They can do different things. They can be turned into vampires, werewolves, or zombies. So there's a lot there to play with. And I've always gravitated toward those storytelling elements. And so there's probably a part of me that was thinking, oh, I should try video games again because I do enjoy strategy. I do enjoy storytelling and I want to play but again as soon as the opportunity came I told myself No, I'm too busy for that which is interesting because play has a lot of benefits kind of connecting to what I talked about last time with the rest actually don't think it was last week I think it was the week before I had an episode on rest about how difficult it can be to give yourself permission to rest but in fact rest is incredibly beneficial it restores you it gives you so much more energy you can get a lot more done a lot more quickly if you just take a time out. Play is also like that. If you just give yourself permission to play you get a lot of benefits. You have increased capacity for difficulty. You have resiliency. You have curiosity. You have more joy. And all of these things inoculate you against difficulties. inoculate you against disappointments. The best example I can probably give you of this is thinking about my writer business. So if the writer business was the only thing I had in my life. If it was from the moment I wake up in the morning until I go to bed at night is me thinking about how to sell my books and make enough money so that I can keep a roof over my head and my dog living in the state of comfort of which he has grown accustomed. If my entire being was dedicated to these unfun things, to these responsibilities, to these expectations that I push on myself, to the pressure I put on myself. I would be so unhappy, and having a hyper-focus on your responsibilities to the point to where you leave no room for play, it does add a lot of pressure, and it makes it so that you find no enjoyment in your life. It's just work. It's just one thing after another after another, and I'm just (laughs) recently—let's be clear— It's not like, oh, I've mastered this and I don't struggle with this anymore. I want to be absolutely clear that I still struggle with this idea that the work will never be done. There's always something else you can do to market a book or to sell a book. There's always something else you can do to improve this aspect of a business or this aspect of your life. There's always something that comes up. And so if you're telling yourself, I'm going to play later. I'm going to play when I have more time. I'm going to play when the conditions are right for play. You'll never get to it. It will never happen. You'll never have time to do those things that light you up because there's always going to be a new task, a new item demanding your attention. It will just come in and take the place of whatever you just managed to complete. And so because it is like that, We have to find ways to build in these moments of happiness, of playfulness, even though things are in motion, even though there's a moving target. Part of that is about saying yes to that child within you when it comes and says, let's play. Part of it is also about figuring out what lights you up, Because it may very well be that you no longer know what lights you up. I started with looking at the things that I enjoyed as a child. So it wasn't easy for me immediately to figure out what I could do to play. Because again, I was pretty disconnected from it. There was a lot going on in my life as a kid. And then also as an adult, I have a lot going on. So it wasn't natural for me to think of, oh, I really enjoy doing this. In fact, I just had no idea what I I enjoyed doing. I started thinking about things that I really loved and that I enjoyed as a kid. I looked through old photographs of me as a kid and seeing what I was doing, what I was playing. And so I could find photographs that supported this evidence. And so some of the pictures that I found was me playing board games, which I do love to do. But you got to have people to play board games. Me playing on my piano, which I did enjoy doing. I love making music. Me playing with paper dolls which I also did enjoy, or even just having dolls. Generally, you can, again, make stories with dolls. I think I just liked making stories. Lots of pictures of me with books, with me reading. So reading is a play activity for me. Baking is play for me as well. When I'm baking, it definitely feels like play. And this could go back to my Easy Bake Oven days. I don't know if any of you ever had an Easy Bake Oven, (laughs) but I did and I loved to play with it. And so I started there I started looking at the things that I had found joy and pleasure in as a kid. There are pictures of me drawing, lots of pictures of me drawing or doing art. I had a little easel. I think little Cory was probably five years old. She had a little easel, like a plastic easel, and it had all of her drawings, her scribblings on it. I guess she thought she was the next Picasso. And you might find adult versions kind of lurking in the background, and you may not realize that they are play. So for example, as a kid, I liked having tea parties. I liked setting up all my little characters. (laughs) (laughs) around a little wooden table, or maybe it was a plastic table, I don't remember. And then they each had a teacup and they each had a little plate with their plastic foods on it. And so having tea parties was something that I enjoyed as a child that I associated with play. And as an adult, I also have teapots. I have several beautiful teapots and I have little beautiful cups. And so I think that I'm just sitting down to have some tea, but I'm actually playing. And so why does that matter? Because it's important to also recognize when you're, let's call it, flirting with play. So then you can take a moment to appreciate it, to enjoy it, to revel in it. If I get a little three-tiered display and I put these little treats on them and I have my favorite cup and I have my favorite teapot, yes, in instance, I'm just having some tea with some little treats at tea time. But now that I know that it's play, it adds this moment of levity, of lightness, of enjoyment, of pleasure to it. And that's very important. So it's also not just what you're doing. It's also about recognition and indulging in those positive feelings that you have when you play that alleviates some of the pressure and the unhappiness that comes from being serious all the time, doing everything (laughs) in this very heavy-handed manner, which is what I am very guilty of. Recognizing play where it already exists, there might already be ways in which you're kind of playing. Maybe you really like to get out in nature and watch the birds and stuff. Kids play outside a lot. You know, maybe there are things that you're doing that way that are play. So recognize that, indulge in that, cultivate that, be sure you're giving yourself time and permission to do those things because it's important. And then also looking back on the things that you used to enjoy, figure out if there's room for them in your life now, if there's a clue there about things that you might enjoy. So for example, little Corey with her easel, that's my cue or my clue that I would really enjoy art as an adult. And again, it's possible that you've changed and you don't enjoy the same things, but it's a good place to start. But most importantly, it's about, again, not continuing to say no to yourself. Not telling yourself that everything is more important than your own happiness. Everything is more important than you enjoying your life. (laughs) Everything is more important than you doing the things that you want to do. When we continue to say no to ourselves in this way, it's really going to break down our spirit over time. And it's not going to serve us. And who's to say that play is not useful? So think about Cubs. I'm thinking specifically about lion cubs, but maybe you thought of bear cubs or some other cubs when I said that. But think about little baby wild animals. When they're out there trying to eat each other's face off with their siblings, they're tumbling around, they are doing something important. They think they're just playing, but they're actually developing the skills that they need to survive in the wild. I'm not convinced that we are so different. I think that when we play, we are also developing skills that we need in order to survive our hectic lives. We're developing curiosity. We're developing passion we're developing levity we're developing resilience we're developing a positive mindset and a playful nature that we can take with us when we face setbacks and challenges and difficulties do you think it's easier to solve your problems when you're in a horrible stressed out overworked mood who only sees the negative and just thinks about the next thing that you need to get done on your list? Or do you think you're more likely to solve your problems if you're going in there and you're like, oh, this is just another thing that needs to be worked out. I can absolutely do this. Let's just see what happens. Let's figure it out. If you have this open, curious, playful mind, which one do you think is better at solving problems? And you don't really need to know because the data, (laughs) the current research on this, and you don't need to believe me, you can just do the googling about the research around play because there's actually quite a bit of research around play now about how it benefits us in the areas of resiliency and stamina and enduring life's challenges. So indulge in that play. It might just be training you for that next amazing setback that you're going to experience in your life. (laughs) And I know I laugh when I say the next amazing setback, but that's just life. You know, things come up, we get challenged in different ways. But if we approach those challenges with playfulness, if we've made room in our life for playfulness and joy, we're going to be far more likely to overcome those setbacks with grace. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful, and if you would like to write into the show today and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through email at Corey at Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human, and until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler, and esther abrami if you like what i'm doing here please consider visiting my patreon for as little as a dollar a month you get early ad free access to the episodes as well as a monthly patrons only q a bonus videos and more not to mention that your patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue you can find me on patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Murray. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.